Welcome to Prayer and Practice, musicians releasing musical gifts into the church. This podcast is meant to help those who serve in the worship ministry of their churches. And now your host, Kyle Lanier. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Prayer and Practice. My name is Kyle Lanier, and I am your host uh, on this musical journey and worshipful journey that, that we take uh, each each episode. And I am just so incredibly excited to welcome uh, my really wonderful friend and colleague, uh, longtime friend, uh, Mr. Jay Ware. Uh, we've got him on the show with us today. Jay, welcome to uh, to the podcast today. Thanks so much, Kyle. I appreciate the invitation. It's a real honor and pleasure to be here. Yeah, we're we're uh, just uh, uh, just beaming with energy to have you have you today, and just kind of get you know pick your brain on on the the world of worship and and music. Um, just I just want to kind of give our, our listeners just a little bit of your background, if that's okay, here for a moment, Jay. Sure. Okay. Um, so Jay is the uh, the coordinator of percussion and drum set studies at Liberty University in uh, Lynchburg, Virginia. Um, he has performed with numerous artists. I could I could sit here and talk about many of the artists Jay has performed with. I'm just going to highlight just a few. Uh, he's performed with uh, Delphio Marsalis, D. Stewart, David Baker, and Wyclef Gordon. Um, uh, he's also served on the faculty at the University of South Carolina and the jazz department of the Jacobs School of Music at Indiana University. Um, as a as a performer and an artist, you're uh, uh, Jay. You're an endorsing artist and clinician for Remo, Yamaha, Innovative Percussion, Zildjian. And Latin percussion as well. Is that correct? That is correct. All right. And and you know and and you know, uh, folks out there listening uh, today, Jay is just an all-around wonderful man of God with an absolutely beautiful family there in Lynchburg. And uh, so, so Jay, um, I just want to go ahead and begin. Um, you know, now that we've kind of given our listeners a little bit of you know who you are, um, uh, just let, let's just jump right into it, man. I just kind of want to talk about the uh, heart of a worshiper initially. Um, you know, given given the nature of um, of your your position there at Liberty, um, you know, just to kind of set all this talk up, uh, tell us a little bit about you know what what it means to be that that coordinator of percussion and drum set studies, and then we're going to kind of you know begin to make some connections to some scripture here in just a moment. Sure. So um, one of the things that I love about my position uh, specifically at, at Liberty is, you know, Liberty is a very large school of music. Uh, I think at one point we were the seventh largest school of music in the country. Um, so and it's not just large in number, but we have a wide variety of degrees. And this is not necessarily a sales pitch, of course. But the point is, is that we um, then can service, I say we, the percussion program and, and my students then um, we get to service a variety of different degree programs. So whether it's recording, engineering, and producing, or worship studies, which is very robust, um, music education and music performance, like other universities would have, things like film scoring, which are you know a little um, more niche, you know, at, at a university offering. And all of this is done, of course, within the context of a Christian culture and taught from a Christian worldview. So um, it is the perfect marriage, if you will, between a Christ-centered culture where I mean, even our faculty meetings, we start off with worship. You know what wow. I mean? Can you imagine that? Like we pray and we worship. 
before we get down to the nuts and bolts, the ins and outs, the X's and O's and that kind of thing, like we're worshiping the Lord because ultimately, you know, uh, as you're talking about here, the heart of the worshiper, that's what, that's something that all of us, it doesn't matter what your degrees are, or what your career is, or, you know, whether you're a parent or a kid or whatever, we should all be about worshiping the Lord. And then that um, not just informs, right, but that permeates, should, uh, everything that we do. Um, and so it's one of those things that I, I need to be cognizant of. Uh, I would love to say that I do that every day, but it's it's a reminder when I wake up, you know, that uh, praying for students and, and then going into my, my place of work, though, as a worshiper of the Lord Jesus Christ and my God, and how I serve my students then should be directly impacted um, by that kind of mindset. Wow. That's, that's just, that's amazing to, to hear. Um, you know, I, I love, I love this idea, you know, of, of here we are, you know, in, in, in a major university, you know, here in America, um, you know, where, where people are getting, you know, legitimate degrees and, 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 and you know, in the, uh, context of what we're talking about, you know, music degrees and various, uh, you know, genres and, and areas and, and things of that nature. Um, but at the heart of it, man, the, the root of it all begins with Christ. And I, and I absolutely love that. I think that's just so powerful, um, you know, in, uh, in just kind of how I want to lead off the talk today. Um, and so I'm, I'm just going to kind of share, you know, when I, when I think about the heart of a worshiper, you know, I put, I put this in my book and I, um, I've shared my perspective, you know, uh, folks who listened to the podcast last season kind of get to hear my perspective, but I want to share this passage uh, with, with everyone listening. This comes from John 4, and it's, uh, it's verses 23 and 24, and this is Jesus talking to the Samaritan woman at the well. Um, and in this context, we really begin to see, um, you know, what exactly, well, at least I feel, you know, based on based on the scripture here, um, what, what God is really looking for when we talk about you know, worshiping him. Um, and, and I want to qualify it and, you know, and say, it's not always necessarily dealing with music as well. So here's John 4, 23 and 24. It says, but an hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the father in spirit and truth for such people, the father seeks to be his worshipers. God is spirit. And those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. So, um, you know, Jay, uh, some thoughts about that passage of scripture, you know, as you are, you know, in the ins and outs each day of, of working with your students and developing, you know, what I would qualify to be the skill, the skill set necessary to do the work, you know, um, and thinking about what God, you know, it says God really seeks after these kinds of worshipers, the ones who look for him in spirit and in truth. Um, do you have some thoughts you want to share about, uh, you know, how, how that applies to, to maybe your, your in and out every day, you know? Sure. I think of, um, you know, it's interesting because we have students that come from a wide variety of backgrounds, right? A very, oh, very sure. diverse uh, student body. Um, and I don't, I don't necessarily want to speak only within the context of liberty, um, but just in teaching. I mean, I've taught at, um, you know, public universities at three different public universities and have served adjunct elsewhere. And so, it, it, you know, it's a different dynamic. Um, but there are some similarities and the, and the, the spirit part of being filled with the spirit, um, and being informed by this when parents and students come on campus, uh, and I've heard this again, both in public universities, when you're in the church, 
you'll hear things, and I'm sure we'll get to more of this a little bit later, uh, things like, oh, this person is very blessed, or they're gift, or they're talented. And um, these are great things, and I do absolutely believe, I mean, the Lord tells us that he gives us gifts, both spiritual yeah. gifts, and I think he has equipped us uh, you know, physically and, and mentally for different uh, skill sets for careers and to be able to reach people for the, the gospel of Jesus Christ, right? Um, but there's that spirit and in truth. And the, the latter, I think, you know, when, when we come here, when a parent, for example, says, uh, my son or daughter is really gifted. They're really, really talented. Mm -hmm. And um, the son or daughter may be really filled with the spirit when they come to campus and they're going, you know, I really believe that God wants me to do this or uh, God is is calling me to do such and such and such and such. Okay, um, then what happens after that? Really, I think that truth part of getting back to scripture, it, are, are these things in your decisions grounded in scripture where yeah. truth really is? So that, you know, as you're doing your daily walk, it's very important that we're not led um by emotions right we get that in hebrews in in chapter 13 one of my favorite chapters in all of scripture um and I'll, i may go to that later reference that but um talking about not being led again by false witness or not being led by emotion not being led you know putting the spirit to the test um or testing the spirit is putting that up against scripture so when we get to something like practice or attending your classes, right? Or being oh, yeah. serious about your studies and the calling and that kind of thing. I do believe that that's just as much about worship um, so that you're not led around by the nose, so to speak, by what has become very popular as like an emotional experience. Sure. You know what I mean? Whether it's in church service or just your daily, you know, goings on, that it should be grounded in, in scripture, which is, as Christ says, the truth right? Yeah. The way, mm -hmm. the truth. This is the word of God, the meaning only. Um, so that's, I mean, th that's a little bit of context, at least when I think about that, certainly from my position sure. um, of, of being there in spirit and truth. Uh, and, and, and such a, such a great um, segue right here into this, this next concept I want to, I want to talk about with you. You know, you're, you're talking about, you know, uh, just filtering everything through, through the word and, and, and really having that, that depth of relationship with God, you know, and that's, and that's really, um, that, and I believe that wholeheartedly. I believe that's where it all starts. You know, I believe the, the, the practical application, um, you know, of musicianship and, 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 and understanding theory and all of that, you know, producing a, a quality tone and all of those types of things, um, are important certainly, and they have their place, but it, it all, it all filters through, through what you just said. You know, if, if God is, if, if as a worshiper, if I was created to worship God and he is seeking someone who he, he's diligent. When, it, when we're talking about seeking, we're talking about he is, he's actively seeking. He's going after people who seek him in both spirit and in truth. Um, and so if, if that's what he's looking for, then that's how I need to align myself so that, so that I find him on my own journey, you know? Um, and I think that's powerful. Um, so, and it kind of, it really segued us into, into this, you know, this thought, um, I'm not going to share the, the passage, but I'm, I am going to make, you know, reference to Matthew 25, 14 through 30, which is, you know, the parable of the talents. And I know, um, you know, primarily, you know, when you, when you're in a church setting, you kind of get uh, a lot of teaching financially, you know, about, uh, about the parable of the talents. And I think it absolutely applies, but I would even go so far as to say that that would really apply to, um, you know, anything that the Lord gives us, you know, that we are, we are, you know, being, 
uh, given this as a steward, as someone who cares for and cultivates and, and, and you know, and develops and grows what we've been given. Um, so I just kind of want to, you know, take that into the, the musical world, because I know, Jay, you know, you, uh, you teach, uh, you know, privately, you have a studio of students, um, you know, and, and you're doing that. Uh, at the collegiate level and really preparing people for, you know, the real world assignments that they're going to be taking. And so uh, talk to us a little bit, you know, uh, I guess maybe through the vein of the parable of the talents, you know, uh, with uh, ensuring that we're building that interest in what we've been given. Um, so let's talk a little bit about stewarding our gifts and maybe even how practice helps us to do that as musicians. Sure. And, and it's interesting you bring this up because this is a parable that I go over with students actually quite often sure. um, at the beginning and then, you know, throughout the semester. And there are a couple of things to note about this parable, some really well known, you know, again, I'm, I, I humbly present myself as a worker bee, right? I know my lane. I'm not a pastor. <laughs> I, I jokingly tell people I hit things for a living. You know, um, that I get to, and I get to teach other people how to do that. So there's, sure. there's a, there is a sense of taking things with a grain of salt, but one of the universals out of this parable, and, and I do take this quite literally that, you know, when one, when Christ was presented with, uh, the coin, right. With Caesar on it, and they were essentially trying to catch him in this trap about, Hey, do we pay taxes? You know, who's, and he goes, you know, whose head is on this? And he goes, right. Caesar's. And he's like, okay, then render to Caesar what Caesar's right. Mm -hmm. That essentially currency the, the talent, the money, and that kind of thing, that's a, a man-made thing. Sure. So the parable of the talents is, it, you know, we can spin it financially and that kind of thing, but we're really talking about, as you mentioned, what God has given us. So the sure. universal, though, among the, the two people who were successful, quote-unquote, right, is that they worked. They knew what kind of master they served. And they worked as unto him, as Colossians and Corinthians both outline. Yep. And there was a reward given. And the the end result is to some degree irrelevant for those who were obedient, right? right. The, the relevancy now is for the one who was not, mm -hmm. who basically hid it. Um, and and that's something, again, we, we all need to be aware of, both from a teacher standpoint and a student standpoint. I'll also tell folks that, you know, when they come in and they, and they present hey, I believe I'm called to do this, or I really want to pursue this, then if we go into, on a very practical sense, if we're into the second or third lesson and they're not necessarily showing up, literally or figuratively, mm -hmm. right? right? They're not getting things done. Then it's like a, hey, wait a minute. You know, um, also presenting this that I, I had a, a former uh, um, boss and mentor who would say, you know, if God has called you to something, then he obligates himself to provide for you. That's, which is, a, a I mean, statement. a very not, you know, he obligates himself to provide for you. So I'll look at a student, for example, and say, hey, listen, take a look around you. We have sure. a multi-million dollar school of music building. You have, you know, 40 to 50 full-time faculty who are all believers, brothers and sisters in Christ, who've been charged now and love not just teaching you music, but love you as an individual. You have access to facilities and instruments. You've been given the time allotted by the grace of God to be able to pursue this. Why on earth would you not want to do these things, right? I yes. get it, maybe lack of sleep, there's other things, but those are all earthly obstacles, right? Yeah. So this, you know, parable of the talents too, um, you know, that's kind of like the student end. On my end, 
I have to remember that those outcomes are always going to be different. So when a a student darkens my door, you know what I mean? As a teacher, I have to remember it's important for me to not frustrate, right? We think about that passage talking about fathers and sons, right? Not to frustrate them, but I want to make sure that I'm not hindering them in the way that I teach, right? That would be a frustration or an obstacle, Mm -hmm. but then I need to be mindful of the fact that the fruits, the outcome, the, the, the reward and productivity there is going to be different. So one student uh, coming in, obviously I'm going to know that every student is different as far as what they come in with, their abilities or their experience, etc. But also the outcome needs to be different. I was talking with a, a colleague at another university about this actually just like two days ago, that sure. if a student comes in and they're, uh, I know for those who can't see, you know, that are here, maybe at a lower playing level, Maybe they had, you know, not as much experience or didn't have access to uh, a great teacher or instruments or whatever. Whatever reason, their playing is down here. And there's another student whose playing is way up here. Right. The point is, is the gap between their starting and ending point should be roughly the same distance. Mm-hmm. That's the goal, right? At their starting and ending points will likely be different. And that's okay. It's not always the tortoise and the hare where somebody should surpass somebody else or whatever. And God doesn't work in those terms anyway, right? He's not, the point is not to compare, right? The master um, responded the same for both servants. Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful with a little more will be given to you, right? That kind of thing Mm -hmm. where it's, he didn't look and go, well, you know, that's really good. But next time, let's see if we can get, it's just a, you did awesome, right? Well done. And so that's that's to be the response, at least for me as a teacher. That should be our response, certainly um, as a church body. And I don't just mean that obviously within the building, right? But as brothers yeah. and sisters in Christ, as a body of Christ, that when someone's being faithful with something, um, you know, we need to be encouraging. That is part of, I think, of our duty as well, is to really heap praise upon that person mm-hmm. Um and to reward them in an earthly sense, if you will, right? And, and to help steward. That's, I think, part of stewardship as well, is not just keeping and cultivating what you've been giving, but also realizing, for example, my students have been given to me. I need yeah. to steward them. And part of being a steward of them is making sure that I pour into them. Sometimes that may be lighting a fire right. when they need to be motivated, <laughs> right? Sometimes that may be heaping on praise when they've right. you know, when they've done something. But all of, the, all of that, I think, does tie into that parable of the talents, um, at least in, you know, from my role. Yeah. And, and I absolutely see that. And there, there's a couple of things that really, um, that really kind of struck me in what you were, you were talking about there, you know, you're, you're talking about this aspect of differentiation, you know, that's a, that's kind of a, a teacher term that we use in the, the public school system, you know, differentiation mm-hmm. of instruction and understanding, as you said, that, that each student that comes through your door, uh, they're, they're going to be at different levels. And what I find very interesting since we're talking about this passage is if you look at the parable of the talents, even think about the measure that each servant was given each, you know, it, it, I mean, it totally and, and absolutely connects to what you were saying is that this servant was given five and this one was given two and this one was given one. And the, the point overall is that it really doesn't matter, matter the measure that you've been given. Really, it matters what you do with it and how you steward that. And what the Lord is looking for is for you to steward it in such a way that, um, you know, that you, you pull interest off of whatever he gives you, that you develop it further. You know, you um, just as you were talking about, um, you know, the, the facilities and all the access that students have to these wonderful things that helped them, you know, to really, um, I guess, to, to grab hold of their, their education while they're in college, you know, all these tools and resources that they have just such wonderful access to, um, you know, it's even the same way in life. I mean, you know, we have to 
be cognizant of the fact that the Lord, um, you know, he, he does prepare our path, uh, as, as we are called to do something, you know, um, and I truly believe just as those, those stewards in that, um, you know, the, the parable of the talents were, were given that measure, um, they had to put it to work, you know, and I think sometimes there may be this thought and I'm just going to go ahead and say it just for the, the, the sake of saying it. Um, maybe sometimes we think that, you know, God is like this, this mystical genie that is just supposed to give us what we want rather than develop something in us that produces the fruits of the spirit that we, we see outlined in, in Galatians. You know, I, I mean, I truly, mm. um, I mean, that, that could be a whole other conversation, but I truly believe, um, you know, and I'll, I'll even say it. I, it's my personal belief in America right now that that's really what, what I feel like the Lord is really trying to develop in us as believers is, is, you know, we, we, we may have all of these wonderful gifts and talents and, and things that we can do for the kingdom, but who are we down deep, you know, when we really come against the rub, so to speak, um, you know, are, are we exhibiting those fruits of the spirit, which by the way, are the very qualities and characteristics of Jesus himself. Um, and, uh, and I think, you know, we're kind of talking about it through, through the aspect of stewardship and, um, you know, having a, a good work ethic and really seeing that this helps me achieve my call. And so that's, that's really why I kind of speak to that for a moment. Um, did you have anything else you wanted to share on that um, before, I, before I ask you another couple of questions here? Um, I know I just kind of maybe have given you some more food for thought there. Yeah, and this is, um, this is one of those things where, you know, we're, from, from my seat, again, there's the there are a variety of different dynamics when I come into contact with people with music, you know, and there, and there's, there should be a different, there does need to be a different kind of mentality, I guess. For example, um, in a university setting, in a, you know, an academic setting, we're going for um, quality musicianship and those students uh, are a smaller percentage of the total population. I had a friend explain it to me this way because when I first started teaching, honestly, I mean, I was getting frustrated. I'm, it's, I'm somewhat ashamed to admit this, but I was getting frustrated that my students were not, let's say, as motivated or, you know, dedicated as disciplined, etc., to pursue music as I thought they should be. Sure. And he took me aside and he said, Jay, let me tell you something. And I'll never forget this. Again, it's one of those really obvious things, but it hit me like a ton of bricks. He goes, um, you are part of a percentage of American population that pursued music, let's say in sixth grade. For me, it was like fourth grade in Georgia. And he goes, then you stayed on in, you know, from elementary school to middle school and a smaller population, smaller percentage. And then you were part of a smaller percentage that stayed from beginning band, you know, sixth grade, middle school to seventh grade and a smaller percentage to eighth grade and a smaller percentage that stayed on to high school. And of course you keep whittling that down to mm -hmm. college, you know, then, then did a music degree at college then pursued a master's. It's like, once you realize that in, instead of, you know, the entire time for us as musicians, our world is music, right? You know what right. I mean? Like we don't realize necessarily that we're in the bubble everything around us is musical we're surrounded by musical peers who are all pursuing degrees they're all pursuing high levels of performance and so on and so forth you know and it's kind of like the person stranded on an island who has two people and thinks that the world's population is three right, right? you know it's right. like oh well, this this is the world as i see it um and it really again it opened my eyes to oh wait a minute 
the rest of the world is not only not like me, but very oblivious to this small little bubble here. And it helped in, in one respect, open my eyes to, in this case, uh, you know, a teaching setting. But if we com compare that or, or put that on the same thing in the church, now it's a little more complicated, right? Because we have some people, let's say, on in the worship team, uh, small or large, some of those have pursued music as a degree. Maybe your worship pastor has a degree in music, sure. um, right? And, and the other members there, but you're also dealing with folks who, you know, they just studied when they were kids right. or they, they are kids, right? They're teenagers or whatever. Right. And they just want to be able to serve the church. And that. so you have not just a variety of different levels of performance. That's kind mm -hmm. of an external way, you know, and superficial way of looking at it, but you have people from a mindset and a devotion and so on and so forth uh, that are at a variety of different levels as well. And so we need to treat those with care because it is really easy. And I'm guilty of that um, to kind of come in and be like, man, what gives, you know, can't you read right. this chart or, or, or limited here or whatever. And we have to be careful because the truth of the matter is, is that sometimes, you know, going back to that heart of worship, their mindset as far as the worship is like, light years ahead and way more the heart of worship than that person who has 18 degrees and 40 years of experience. That's you know what I mean? Point. Yeah. Um, it's it, it, and, and that's something again to realize that, Hey, wait a minute, that, that kid who's 16 years old, who is just listening to the tracks and may not be able to read or whatever else. Okay. There's some things that the church needs to do to be able to help cultivate that and maybe nurture it, not necessarily to pursue a music degree, but to help grow them maybe in their musical gifts, right? Mm -hmm. So that those talents then are multiplied. But at the same time, we want to make sure that we're not also frustrating, you know, or pigeonholing that person and right. potentially souring that heart of worship to where they go, man, you know, I, I don't want to just have to do this and this and this. It's like, come, come lay what you have before the feet of Jesus, mm -hmm. whatever you have, you know, lay that, lay the, you know, the two mites before the at the foot of the cross and offer those up in worship and if you're 14 or you're 40 or you're 74 whether you have degrees or not um i do think it it you know comes to, with a heart of worshiper and bringing those talents that marriage if you will that you know combination of bringing your heart and what you have at the time before the lord but with also that mindset that i can always grow not because i'm going to pursue this as a career i need to be professional but because that's part of the commandment. Yeah. You know, that's part of what we've been commanded to do. You've been listening to Prayer and Practice. We hope you've been encouraged by what you've heard today. And remember, worship like you mean it. 